Hello, everybody. Welcome to the That Kind of Nerd podcast. I am CJ Mellon. I am the co-founder and co-editor-in-chief of thatkindofnerd.com. I am joined by Brian Thornton. Brian, say hello to the fine people. Hello, fine people. And I'm joined by Joshua Burns. What up? Brian is also the co-founder and co-editor-in-chief of That Kind of Nerd. Um, Brian, why don't you give us just a, a little introduction about yourself, a little nerd biography uh, so people can kind of can know you and why they should be listening to your opinions. Uh, well, yeah, because um, my opinions matter, first of all. Um, yeah, no, uh, co-founder, co-editor, co uh, co-nerd here for uh, That Kind of Nerd. Um, very excited. Uh, just, you know, a little background in my nerd background, really, is uh, really in the entertainment field. I'm, I'm huge into I grew up in uh, comic books and, and movies and, and TV and just being ingrained in that society. Um, so I've had 20 plus years of this behind me and, uh, I, I just love, I'm very passionate about it. I just love talking about it. I can talk about it for, for hours. So that's hopefully what we're, what we're going to do here, uh, with the two of you and, uh, hopefully with some of the listeners here. So, and we are joined by, like I said, Joshua Burns, who is our, our mentor and personal friend. Uh, Josh, you come from a, a different uh, lifestyle of, of nerdism. Uh, if I may. Uh, so I think you kind of bring this really cool, fresh approach that Brian and I really can't supply. Um, so why don't you give us a little background on you and your nerdy life? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've been thinking about it uh, since we were talking about doing this podcast. And my perspective is I, I came up uh, really heavy in sports. Uh, I was a five-sport kid uh, growing up. And got into comic books and baseball cards and really anything collectible in an early age. And chess in an early age, anything that was strategic uh, or competitive. And as I got older, it became, uh, it was really clear to me that it, it's easy to nerd out really over anything. And I would get obsessed about becoming a subject matter expert in, in really anything that I, I loved or cared about. And then as I started a career in management, it was about helping other people develop their uh, their passions and their whatever they they were competitive about, whatever they wanted to be great at, and uh, help them be better at it, help them nerd out over it. And and that's the what I really think is going to be unique about having you on here. So you can really kind of give us that that opinion and the the grown up voice at times um, for for this uh, this podcast. So a little bit about uh, myself. Uh, I've always identified myself as a, as a nerd. Uh, my dad is an engineer, so I've grown up with computers and and writing DOS proms and basic. Um, so I've always surrounded myself with that. And then when I was younger, um, I started doing theaters. Then I was the theater nerd of the group. And um, I really started to, to dive into that, and I really started to to kind of get into the alternative culture per se. And I started really investigating mobile phones. Josh was integral in, in really getting me into mobile phones and seeing how they work. And it's always just been one thing after another after another. So that kind of leads us into a little bit about um, what this podcast is going to be like and what is that kind of nerd. Um, and for me, it really started in my retail job because I was trying to explain to a customer how there's so many different types of nerds. Uh, nerds like who like Dungeons and Dragons, nerds who love comic books, who like books and movies, uh, and the list goes on. And when the customer asked me, okay, well, what wh what do you like? I was like, it's so hard to pin down. I have such a, a passion for theater, and I, I love movies, and I've seen some movies over 50 times. And they look at me, and they had this blank expression on their face, and they're just like, oh, you're that kind of nerd. 
And that that phrasing just like wrestled through my head all night. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? You know, what does that mean? And and what does it mean to be a nerd? And it kind of led to the creation of not only this website and this podcast, but it gave gave me a living, a working definition of what it is to be a nerd. Uh, and I have it as as a noun, a person with a desire to consume all knowledge about a topic and a passion and share this information with the world, um, which was really cool. I thought it was a good definition. And the best part is, is that as humans, we're constantly changing uh, and the definition isn't limited to technology. We're, we're all nerds of something. So the, the question was pretty simple is what kind of nerd are you? Um, which leads us to the the fourth voice that you're actually not hearing right now on the podcast, and that's yours. Um, we want this to be a community-driven experience. We want this to be something that's interactive, and we want you to have a voice in it. Um, so we actually have a phone number that we're going to give at the end of the podcast, and we want to hear your comments. We want to hear your questions. If we like what you really have to say, we may put it on the podcast, or if you spark something exciting between us, we may even call you and put you on the podcast live with us and record it with us. Um, so we're definitely interested. So that kind of drags us on into the first topic. And that is April Fool's just came and went. Uh, We're recording this on the 4th. And uh, Deadpool was rumored to be a PG-13 movie. And everyone in the internet was just trying to justify it. We're like, oh, yeah, no, no, that sounds good. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, that would totally work. And then they released this movie or this little little short with Mario Lopez and Ryan Reynolds. And um, they're talking about the the rating. Josh and Brian, have, have you seen this thing? Yeah, I sent that. I sent that out in the group. Had you guys seen that before I sent it out? Um, I, I I did. I actually had not. Um, I make a habit of on April Fool's Day just avoiding all media, all magazines. It's because I get like I get such high hopes, and then I just get supremely let down. I, I was just telling CJ um, Wizard Magazine I, I, that's long gone for a while now, but they used to do it every year where they they come up with this really awesome kind of quirky idea. Like we're going to do an awesome Hong Kong fooey comic book and it's going to be gritty and he's going to be like a dog, but he's Batman. And, and I was like, that sounds awesome. And then next month they're like, oh, no, that's, that's not happening. Yeah, some, <laughs> some, some dipshit posted something on a, like a, a news, whatever, some like credible source, not the onion, but I click on this thing that on Twitter. It's like Pete Rose gets reinstated and, and, he petitioned the brand new baseball, the brand new baseball commissioner for reinstatement, and and I, you know I thought this is fantastic, and then I got had, and I was so angry the whole day. Right, that's exactly I why want, I avoid that. I want no, I know, I know, and and can I just also CJ when you're when you were describing the this kind of nerd that kind of nerd the whole thing that was going through my head was. Tall nerds, short nerds, nerds that climb on rocks. And I could yes, There's Dr. Seuss nerds, absolutely. Yeah. Right. It was just playing through my head. That's all. So uh, so back onto the topic of this, this this thing came out. Deadpool is going to be PG-13. And then um, – so they do this thing that's almost – it was extra, right? It, it, was, yeah. it was one of those entertainment shows. And Mario Lopez is, is interviewing Ryan Reynolds on set. And Ryan seems like – not upset, but like not excited. The fact that this is PG thirteen is like, yeah, no, we'll um, 
will hold true to the spirit of of Deadpool. And Mario, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly call it family friendly, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, and Mario, Mario Lopez kept saying that family friendly. Oh, I'm so glad you guys went with the PG three, a family friendly rating. And you can just see it's slowly <laughs> getting under. And at that point, he started turns into into Wade. You know, it started getting under his skin. Like, stop fucking saying family friendly. It's not. And during this conversation, in costume, Deadpool just walks, just saunters. Behind Mario Lopez, and the fact that if you're if you look down for a second because you're uninterested, you totally missed you it. You miss it. You totally miss missed it. it. And then uh, they keep having this family friendly. I'm so glad you have that. And he's just getting visibly more and more upset. And then out of nowhere, <laughs> Deadpool comes out and just hits, hits him with a monitor. Hits him in the head with a monitor. Just fucking nails him. Takes him to the floor. Uh, then um, just what, what was the quote? What did he say to, to he Mario? He goes, he goes, no, no. He goes, fuck you, Slater. And, then, <laughs> That's right. and he's got a he's got a picture of of Deadpool standing over the body of Mario Lopez and says, "It's okay, Jesse. Slater can't hurt you anymore." <laughs> <laughs> and it's so great because it's this little like hand drawn five year old drawing of just like <laughs> Deadpool killing Mario Lopez. And then of course they announced that it, it's rated R. And as an internet, you're 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 breathing a sigh of relief, but you're you're also so excited now for this movie more than you were before. Uh, In that moment, internet was good guy Greg. And, <laughs> and what was cool too was they acknowledged an elephant in the room that people uh, are now sadly who aren't huge into to comic books or don't really know Deadpool. And if you don't know Deadpool, you probably know him from this terrible uh, Wolverine Origins movie. <laughs> Which is not the character at all. So let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about how they handle. Please, because that's like my wife. My wife watched that and said, "Oh well, that's Deadpool. That was from the Wolverine movie." So here's the thing. I I think that movie handled a lot of things really well. I mean, it had Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, and and that's really about (laughs) it. That's about it. Um, (laughs) There were claws. I mean, it handled it handled Wade right. I mean, it handled Wade at the beginning right. That's what I'm saying. And so you got you you saw those first 20 minutes and you were like, yeah, this is Deadpool. Let's do this. And time, then you time got to go to, to work. End. Yeah. And I, I, I remember seeing the movie and getting out of it and trying to justify it. Like trying to be like, Oh, well, you know, I know what they were going for. I know what they're trying to do. You know, he's not going to have optic blasts because they, they purposely said it, it didn't take and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. And just the more I, cause I've seen it multiple times since. And I'm just like, no, it's it's not cool. It's not cool at all. Um, how could they do this to Deadpool? It, it was a shame. So that was always something that that has been in the back of my mind. And Deadpool has been in and, and out of you know productions for years since then. Like, oh, we got a director. Now we don't yeah, have this, a director. This movie's gone through more limbos and more stages than I even really want to admit or probably am even aware of. I mean, right. how, long has, how long has this been in the works? It's been well, in it the went works. Through, it went through denial and yeah. then anger and bargaining. <laughs> All five stages. <laughs> and, right. did an, and did an extra lap. It, it's, it's After it accepted it, it went right forever. back into denial again. I mean, you know, once Wolverine wrapped up, everybody knew Deadpool was going to happen. Deadpool's a... a it, it, he's an offbeat character, but he's still insanely popular. Um, people who don't even read comic books are, are intrigued by the character because he, he's he's not even that relatable. He's just got this moral ambiguity about himself that you know people find entertaining. So it's been in and out. People, the fans want to see it. And since before Green Lantern, Ryan Reynolds has been, yeah, I'm going to be Deadpool. You know, everything I've read is saying that you know 
he he's a huge fan of the character. So could you think of a better actor to play Deadpool? Probably not, right? No, 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 absolutely not. Um, he's perfect. He's got that. He's got that sarcasm down so well, where he's just like talking non nonstop. You know, kind of annoying, but you kind of you kind of love him at the same time. Um, so I want to. So before we get too too far into how Ryan Reynolds can play that character, um, there are some people who maybe aren't necessarily familiar as to why Deadpool is so unique in the comic book universe or just in, in, in the, the universe that we're going to dive into. So, Brian, since you're our, our comic book expert, can you give just a little background as to why Deadpool is so different than anybody else in the Marvel Universe? Uh, yeah, well, Deadpool... Um he didn't always start off the the character that everybody kind of knows him as right now. He, he's he's grown into this very kind of unique person. Uh, he he started off just kind of as a, a mercenary uh, in New Mutants '98, I want to say, um, and just kind of showed up, be like, hey, you know, I'm here to kill Cable, and kind of like everybody kind of responded to that. He had a cool costume, he kicked ass, you know, and he he was you know very. It's very Deathstroke-like, but for the Marvel Universe. And so they kind of started doing these miniseries and everything. And over time, uh, throughout the 90s, he kind of developed this quirky personality. Um, He, I mean, just a a very quick, brief background for anybody who doesn't know. Um, He was, you know, mercenary, you know, very good at his job, doesn't really have any morals at all. Um, And then he, he... gets cancer and he actually uh, gets thrown into the Weapon X program where post Wolverine, they're trying to recreate the Wolverine aspect. Uh, um, and the experimentation and everything on him, he has a healing factor, which keeps the, ca- the cancer at bay, but it's also slowly deteriorating his brain. And he, he's just kind of crazy. He, he's kind of uh, out there. Um, he, he's a very interesting character to watch where, cause you really don't know what he's going to do. It's like that moment where you're watching, um, or you're watching Jack Sparrow and Pirates of the Caribbean, you don't know what his motive is or what he's doing at all. He, he You think he's being selfish sometimes, but most of the time he, he's just doing things in a weird way that you don't see, and it all kind of turns out the way it should be at the end. Um, he's got a plan. He's got, a plan. got a plan. He's got a plan. He's, a plan. He's, he's a really great tactician, you know, but no one really sees that plan because he takes the, the weirdest uh, uh, route possible. Uh, but one of the, the defining aspects of Deadpool, the comic book character, is that he's the only comic book character who knows he's in a comic book and knows that he is uh, pretty much entertaining readers. And he'll break the fourth wall pretty consistently. And Yeah, yeah that's the thing is that he almost it's it's funny to, to, to read where he's he's deliberately setting you up for the next panel. Right. And it's it's funny, but let me let me ask you this before you get too far into the character development. Do you feel at all like Marvel not being sure of of whether it was going to go, how it was going to go? Do you, do you think they they developed Hawkeye the way they did in the movies to sort of parallel Deadpool? Because I felt that way the first couple times I saw Jeremy Renner mm-hmm. as Hawkeye. I didn't really get that feeling. I think Hawkeye in the comic books and in the movie, he's very, he comes across very military, very, um, it's the wisecracking. He did a lot of it. He, he did do a lot of it, but 
Hawkeye, you know, has got, gone through some different phases, um, you know. Right, right, but the comic book Hawkeye isn't that, right? He's very stoic. He, he's pretty stoic, especially post-dying uh, and coming back from the bit dead. He's been very tough as nails. Wait, are you very, telling me uh, that a, a comic book character died and came back from the dead and came back differently? Um, That's, it, that it, never happened. It happens. Comics. Believe it or not, it, it has happened. It <laughs> happened before, and it will happen many times over and over again. Um but yeah, I mean, he's always been a little bit more serious. And I think the thing of that too is that in the in that movie and that cast of characters, I really think he was the only person that, although they've you know like he was showed up in Thor, and that he's he's kind of been a little one offy until really Avengers when they gave him time to shine. He was the only person that you could hand comic relief to at that point, and it right. would always seem out of character. You know, the the bit where Hulk punches Thor, it just but it, it was, but it but it was out of character, and that's that's why I'm asking this. Eh, I feel like they set him up in the movie universe. Yeah, I feel like in the movie universe, it's not out of character for him. I think on that team, as long as we're talking about Avengers, you have Iron Man, who is always, you know, the comic relief, always, you know, yep. with the quick wit and everything. Um, and you can't always have him doing that. Sometimes Iron Man's got to be serious and sometimes Iron Man's going to have to, you know, kick some ass. And that's where some of the comic relief can kind of fall on. Hawkeye is probably the most per- the person who makes the most sense. You can't have Captain America cracking jokes or anything. He's the leader. He doesn't even understand the jokes half the time because uh, he's in a completely different time zone than anybody else. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think movie universe Hawkeye, yeah, I mean, it kind of works. Um, it's it's definitely kind of a departure, although kind of pushing right up against what comic book Hawkeye is. Um, so I, I don't think they were, like, setting him up to be the Deadpool. Deadpool is more than just, you know, wisecracking. Deadpool is more than, like, he doesn't take anything seriously. Like, he... He's the guy who's just, you know, his arm gets blown off. He's like, hey, you know, can you give me a hand here? Like that, that kind of stuff. So for the listeners, basically what Brian just did, and, and I think you'll learn this as we go along. Brian just said, Josh, you don't know your ass from a hole in the wall. <laughs> and you're wrong, right? But he did it in Brian's way. <laughs> And this is the thing that I've always asked Brian, and because I, I love comic books and I love superheroes, but I am a lazy person, and I don't like investing time in something that I'm not 100% sure on. So Brian is the person – I'm sure I'm not the only person who does this to him – who comes up and says, listen, this movie's coming out. What comic book should I read beforehand? Or if I read this, is it going to spoil the movie? And Brian's uh, developing a, a series on thatcomnerd.com about comic, comics 101. And he's he's kind of explaining the fact that if you want to read this in tangent, this is how you should start. Uh, this is what you should do. And this kind of comes down a little bit to it is, you know, this Deadpool movie is coming out. Just like everything when it gets made into a movie, people want to know, you know, just a little more than the average person. You know, this is why all those tween books sell like crazy because you want to read it beforehand before it comes out in the theaters. So my my question to you, Brian, is just seeing what we've seen and knowing Deadpool as a character, do you think this is something that you have to read the comics in order to get? Or is this something that you you should in order to really get it? Or can you go into this fresh and and still be entertained and still feel like this is going to be a good thing? And I know we've seen zero from the actual you know movie, so I'm asking you to make a prediction into the future. Yeah, well, it, it's funny that you say that because um, I, I do get that question a lot, and I get that question about um, you yeah, know, the reason I write Spider Man big time is because I asked you how do I yeah. get into Spider Man. Oh, so good. Anyway, um, I, I think the movies in general 
are doing a very good job of giving the viewer the information that they need and not having to actually read anything beforehand. I, you don't need to know spit about Iron Man before going to see Iron Man 1, and you still can enjoy it. You still can uh, feel and understand what the character's about. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think Deadpool's going to be no different. I, I think they're going to, you know, like, give you enough backstory and give you some some time to kind of digest who this character is. But on the flip side of that, the reading the comic book, I, whether you do it beforehand or afterwards, it, it can just kind of gives you more appreciation for the character and for that movie. Well, um, I think if you if you read Iron Man, if you read Iron Man comic books and Iron Man crossovers and team-ups uh, as you were growing up, then the movies sort of redeemed the character for you. <laughs> uh, versus where I think Deadpool um, is so sort of fresh to most people because they haven't dove that deeply into comic books like Guardians of the Galaxy. It could be whatever. Um, and it, it's going to be a good, a good character and there's going to be a lot of development plus, and you had mentioned cable earlier for anybody who's read any of the cable stuff, cable's a wisecracker too. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of good back and forth there and I hope they work that into the Deadpool series. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think that would definitely be cool to see in like a second and third movie seeing cable kind of show up because, uh, Deadpool again, like I said, he, he's got a lot of loose morals and he doesn't fit well in with the marvel universe he tries to be a hero he tries to be an x-man and they're just like you're not you don't (laughs) get what we're about (laughs) he he tries and like halfway through a story he's like fuck it this isn't me at all (laughs) right and and he knows that and cable is like it's probably his best friend in the the entire marvel universe because he's the only guy who not only puts up with his stupidity and and still gets the job done, but kind of keeps him grounded as well. When he starts kind of going off the deep end, Cable's the guy who pulls him back in and says, "Wait, we gotta we gotta go do this now. Stop, you know, staring at Siren's ass or something." Like, you know, it, he it's a great kind of relationship that they have. So I think that'd be cool to see kind of develop in like you know subsequent movies that I'm sure they will make because I'm pretty sure this movie is going to rake in a whole lot of money. Not only do you have a huge name like Ryan Reynolds, but you have the entire comic book community who's going to, you know, hop on board with it as well. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how this movie turns out. I'm super, super excited. Is this uh, the first rated R movie that, that Marvel's doing? Y- yes. No. Um, actually, Punisher Warzone was rated R. Ooh, if was anybody that Marvel? Saw it, it, was, uh, it, it wasn't Marvel per se. It was no, Marvel that's, and that's Marvel Studios. Marvel Studios. No, no, that, and that's what I mean. Is this Marvel Studios' first rated R venture? This is technically not Marvel Studios either. Uh, Deadpool is oh, still owned right. by it's Fox. Fox. So, it, I mean, it, Marvel's going to do what they do best, and they're going to throw money at it and kind of try to have a, a controlling hand in it, like they did with you know every X Men movie and a couple of the, and the Spider Man movies for the characters that they don't have the rights to do those movies for. But this is technically a Fox movie, so it, it's going to be the second superhero rated R. Actually, if you're counting Blade, it would probably be the third uh, superhero rated R movie. Um, I'm going to come out and say I like, just just for so that I can be on record, I like all the Punisher movies. I like Dolph Lundgren. I like <laughs> Thomas Jane. I like this. I like Warzone. I can't remember the guy's name, but he had that cross. Uh, Ray Weinstone. Yeah, he was in the other guys, and I loved yeah, him in he, that as well. But So, and this is kind of off the beaten topic. I, I mean... I love those those movies too. Um, 
I, I don't really view Dolph Lundgren as a Punisher movie. It's hey, just hey, hey, angry Dolph that Lundgren killing a bunch of people. The original Punisher. <laughs> you may have, have only been you so may have bad. only been four years old when it came out, but yeah. it was the Punisher. Has no nothing I'm to so, do with how no, old that, I was. <laughs> ipso facto, that makes David Hasselhoff Nick Fury. That's what exactly. you've just allowed into oh, this conversation. Oh god, that movie was so so. That's what you've just allowed. Great. And so it is a fit, and you've made it on the record, by the way. Yeah. So on the record, I, I also I'm on the record that, saying I like I like that Punisher movie. I do. I, I so, think it's a great movie, but I don't always consider it a Punisher movie. I mean, I think out of the three, I think I really enjoyed Tom Jane's Punisher. And if you saw his uh, the short they did about three years ago, Dirty Because Laundry, Travolta was so good as the villain in that movie that that's why you chose that one? No, I think Tom Jane's a fantastic Punisher. Um, and I like the oh. whole the, the Russian scene. Here's the thing. If I had to choose one, it, it's going to be Tom Jane all the way. I think Ray Weinstone got his look very right. And it, it is his look from the Punisher Max series. But Tom Jane is, is the Punisher I grew up with in the 90s with Warzone and, and War Journal, um, as long as we're talking about Punisher. Um, but yeah, as way off the beaten path off of Deadpool, I, I do enjoy the Thomas Jane one the best, honestly. Um, I, I'm, yeah. I'm good for nothing if not derailing your conversation. <laughs> and, and this and and this is this is a, a topic that I I'm I'm so afraid to talk about this thing that's in my head right now. So I apologize in advance when this backfires and the whole internet hates us. If you had to pick, and I know this is so hard, one Marvel super superhero that you would say is my most favorite one, who is it? Are, are we talking to me, or are we going to get Josh's opinion first? It, let's get it, it, well. Let me let's let's clarify it: comic books or or TVs and movies. Yes to all the above. <laughs> okay, uh, so if I have to, let me be very clear uh, first. Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man is probably my favorite of all time. Um, but Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man is, is the best comic book character on the screen as far as I'm concerned. But I'm just Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man series is what made me fall in love with comic books. And especially as a young kid, as a collector, um, we had a, a little chain in Reading called Golden Eagle Comics. I think there may still be one alive in the Fairground Square Mall on Fifth Street Highway. But the the thing that I loved about it was that as a kid, I could go into the shop and I could check off, I could put check marks next to the books I wanted to subscribe to, and they'd be waiting for me on a weekly basis, and I could go in and, and just pay my allowance money and get these comic books. But as a subscriber, you had first rights to special editions. So I had... You know, the original cover, the silver cover, both bagged editions. And as a nerd, that's a big deal. They're still in my garage, bagged and boarded in a comic box, you know, just so that I still have them. But Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man, favorite all time. What I took away from that was go raid Josh's garage and get rare comic books. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably that's, about right. That's my takeaway is Google that I figured out. 80s um, and 90s aren't as rare as you think they are, though. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's true. so Brian. What about you? Uh, oh, okay. So I, I know this is like asking Brian is. to pick who his favorite child would be if he had one. You, you know what's it's funny? Just it's really fair. not. Um, I really? have a favorite character, hands down. It's got a little personal feelings attached to it, so um, it, it's probably going to be a longer story than than Josh. But uh, Spider Man movie universe, comic book universe, cartoon universe. He's always been my favorite, and uh, I, I, just, I will wholeheartedly agree with that. There, there's a number of different reasons why. I've got my favorite DC character. I've got my favorite Avenger. But Spider-Man is always going to hold a special place for me. Um, I, I started collecting comic books when I was seven. 
Uh, so 20 plus years ago now. And uh, I remember the day I got my first Spider-Man comic book. Uh, I, it was one of my favorite memories uh, walking in the Render's grocery store with my dad. And there's a, this spinner rack of comic books. And my brother was going to get an X-Men book. The X-Men cartoon was huge at that time. They had released X-Men Adventures to kind of go in line with that. He was going to get X-Men Adventures. And because I didn't you know, know any better, I wanted to do everything my big brother wanted to do. I was going to get the same exact comic book. And uh, my my dad said, you know, get something different. Get something different from your brother. You know, try to do something different for yourself. He's like, I've always been a huge fan of Spider-Man. And, and I remember the book. I have it framed in my in my room. And it's not even that special to anything. It's not worth any money. It's just special to me because it was my first comic book ever. It's uh, Spider-Man number 56. Um, it's in the middle of the Clone Saga. And it's got two Spider-Mans on it. So I'm seven years old. I'm like, holy crap, there's two of these guys? That sounds awesome. Um, it's got Jackal just clutching Scarlet Spider around the neck and, and Spidey's swinging in to save him. Um, and and Spider-Man for me has just been, you know, I identified most with him growing up. You know, I was the nerd. I, I was that the kid who, you know, got picked on and everything. And I identified with Peter Parker right away. Uh, in that aspect, even in his adult years, he was always kind of the outsider and the loner. Uh, but when he put on that mask, you know what? I could be Spider-Man too. And, and it, it was uh, all about perseverance and rising above that and doing what's best for the community and, and for other people in general, not always looking out for yourself. Um, and, and Spidey is just the embodiment of perseverance for me. And it's he's always, again, it's a, it's a personal thing for me. So I don't care, you know, who they cast as Spider-Man, I'm going to go see it. It's just one of those things uh, that, you know, he he's going to be my favorite character no matter what. And and that's that's where I feel too. And and uh, what got me into Spider-Man, because he's, he's my all-time favorite, um, is the, the 90s cartoon. That's what made me really kind of like it. And I know it's not exactly always 100% accurate, you know, to the comics, but it was such an important part of that. And it, and it and I agree with Brian. It's about teaching responsibility. You know, that the Uncle Ben quote gets thrown around so much and it's always mocked, but it's an amazingly powerful quote. And people rephrase it all the time just because they know it's so good. But what I really liked about it, what really drew it to me, especially as I matured, um, was an interview I heard with Stan Lee where he said the greatest part about Spider-Man is that he is covered head to toe in a costume and he can be literally anybody. There's no race. There's no uh, anything that could stop him from being anybody that, could, that, that wants that responsibility, anyone who wants that power that can handle it. And I thought it was such a unique idea to, to kind of show that, you know, this can be anybody. And we have so many different people in the Spider-Man universe who are now Spider-Man. It's not always Peter Parker. And the fact is fans are willing to go ahead and, and give those people a try, give those characters the benefit of the doubt. And if a character fails, it's not because of an ignorant crowd. It's not because, you know, he was black or because any, anything like that. It's the fact that, well, maybe the writing just wasn't good, or maybe it came at the time where we weren't ready for what they were trying to cover. It, you know, you can't do that with Captain America. You can't do that with Iron Man because Tony Stark is such an important part of him. Um, Spider-Man really lends himself to let anybody do that. And I thought that was such a such a unique idea that my tiny little brain, my 13-year-old, I am a philosopher brain, uh, just soaked it up so much. And I, I, I've never looked back. Yeah, well, he's a normal guy. He, he, he may have these super radioactive spider powers, but 
at the end of the day, he gets home. He's got to get to work. He's got to get to class. And if he doesn't, there are real consequences either for him or, or his family. And he he shoulders so much responsibility between balancing his personal life and his superhero life that you're just like, holy, I go to school. I, I have a job. Like, you know, I could be Spider-Man too type of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, hands down, no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I have a, much love for so many other characters in in this comic book world, uh, but he's always going to be top no matter what. So uh, going along the lines of, of April Fool's, uh, and, and initially how we arrived with Deadpool, there was one more April Fool's story that caught my eye, and I, I actually think this is so cool. Uh, there is a company called Hyperkin uh, that posted a uh, an adapter that you slide an iPhone into, and then it actually has physical keyboard, a physical thing that turns it into a Game Boy Color, and it would allow you to actually play legitimate Game Boy Color cartridges and do it on the iPhone. And when you first see it, um, you kind of know it's April Fool's right off the bat. But it started gaining so much traction that the company now has officially greenlit a prototype and they're going to make it due to the demands of nerds. And I don't know if you guys have ever done this. And Josh, you and I have owned Android devices before, so you know that ROMs and emulators on those things are so easy to install and get to. Have you guys ever tried playing classic you know game boy games on a mobile device yeah it's awful i've i've used um uh as a matter of fact i used the best phone i ever had for an emulator purpose was probably the htc evo i mean the original evo um yeah i mean i had it rooted to the hilt and 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 i had you know custom roms and undervolted and and underclocked to get more battery life but it would run anything the problem is, like with anything else, anybody who's ever tried to play um, a controller-based game on an iPhone is that you have this touch screen, and essentially you have two, you know, these controllers on screen, and they're not exact, and you, you can't ever get any kind of performance out of it. And and this thing that, you know, CJ's talking about looks like it has actual, like an actual body of a Game Boy. Can you describe that for us? It's really just like someone took an original Game Boy, not even a Game Boy Color, an original Game Boy, and cut out the screen on a small rake and left all the buttons intact. And the, the iPhone sticks out of it significantly so you can have a portion of the screen, but about half of it's into the actual case. I mean, it has the traditional start button, select button. Everything's in the original places. And then on the, the back of it is a little spot to slide in a cartridge. So if you've ever seen – there's a cell phone case out there, the OtterBox uh, commuter wallet case. It, it's the same kind of design where you can slide out the back of it and you can put what nat-paced credit cards. And in this place, it, it looks like an actual Game Boy cartridge. So it's it's not nostalgic. It's accurate. It looks just like the dimensions of a standard original Game Boy. And and I've done Game Boy on iPhone before, and Josh, I did it through a, an application that didn't require any hacking or, or anything else, um, that you could use a Wii remote as your as your as your button. So you just turn it sideways and you have the D-pad, you have A and B, uh, and that was a lot better because you're right on playing it with soft touchscreen uh, mechanisms is so stupid, and it doesn't. Half the experience is in out. the buttons, like right. A when I see B a, to try to catch a Pokemon, wanna, is yeah, important. I want to throw out my freaking Pokeball when I hit that button. Like, it, it, I don't know. It, it's something weird in the brain that's like it's got to be tactile when it comes to gaming, especially. It's got to be like 
I got to be able to push that button and feel it push down. Um, yeah. it, it's, you know, that's, it, I'm really excited by this. I'm, I'm actually floored that they're, uh, they're doing it and I, I will definitely be getting one for my iPhone because, uh, I, I think it's just the coolest thing ever that I'll, I'll be able to break out some old Pokemon games and, and play them on my phone. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. And this still shows the, 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 the power that the internet can have and that if fans can rally behind something, it becomes a reality. And it's it's not anything that's crazy. It's not anything that requires that you have to get a million people to say yes to it. Just sharing a post saying, oh, yo, make this, make this a reality. Make this happen. Talk about this. Talk about that. The things happen that way. And it's so cool to see a piece like this exist because it's really one of those shut up and take my money kind of situations. Like Josh was saying, I just want to talk about this thing because shut up and take my money. You don't, I don't care how much it costs. Um, yeah. And, and, and the thing is, like, it's made itself around the internet to the point that, like, The Verge and CNET and people are picking this up too going, yeah, we need to make this, we need to make this a reality. Um, from the the looks that I saw of it, I think it was limited to the six plus as of right now. But um, you know, I think obviously that they'll, that they'll change. I know. Boo. I think <laughs> I think they'll obviously change that. Josh, I'm sorry. Do you have an opinion about the iPhone six plus? Boo! I have uh, a six, and I I want to I want this thing right now. Like here's the here's the problem, CJ. If like I'm gonna wait, and I'll I'll keep following this for a month or so. But if I don't see some real results, I'm going to end up going and buying a Game Boy at this point. I have to. Because you've just, you've just, I will buy one from you. Because this just showed me that I should be playing these games right now. And if I can't do it soon, I'm going to take action and I'm, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And, and that's the fun part is that these games actually hold up. And I know this is so old nerds that, uh, you know, I don't have a DS and I, I don't play any of the new Pokemon X and Y black and white and all that stuff. I never, I never did that. I never cared because in my mind, there will always be 151 Pokemon and no more. Uh, and it's just this resurgence of, of classic nerds and, you know, and reboots and things like that. And it's an interesting aspect of nerd technology that we love taking gigantic leaps forward but we always end up taking one or two steps back just to come back to where we started from, just to get back to our roots. Because uh, another April Fool's thing that also came out was that Windows Phone was going to announce that they're going to go into DOS mode. So you would have the black and white screen and have to do the, the, the drives and the whole yard to give it a command prompt. And that also... Yeah, but at that, point, at that point, it would be functional. Right. And, that, <laughs> and you, you, want to, you, want to, you want to know the best part about that? They made it real. The same day <laughs> Windows Phone came out with this April Fool's joke, they're like, you know, it's already built into the OS. Let's let's do it. Um, so it's just so funny to see how we can kind of love coming back to to old technology, and I think really the Game Boy is the staple to that. I just uh, need an app that allows me to play Zork. If we're gonna go back that far. There is a there is a one that does the the text based adventure Zork, uh, Zork two a return to Zork. I'm sorry, will always hold a place. What in about my heart. Oregon Trail? Because uh, I need to I need to play that like now. You, you have if, died of dysentery. You, you, you always <laughs> die. The only thing that seems to cure things is mint. And uh, as a kid, when you play Oregon Trail, all you care about is shooting buffalo. 
The archive, archive.org has Oregon Trail now. You can go play it right now. See, well, that, that will be what, I, what I'll be doing. And I will not die of dysentery this time. <laughs> <laughs> I know so much more now. I can, I can get these people across <laughs> the trail. <laughs> what? It's the game. You know what I want to play? The, the game they were playing in big. What was that game? I want to play that game. Game that they were playing oh, in Big. Oh my gosh, I haven't seen Big in forever. Yeah, he had to like it, it was it was Oregon Trail, but way more complicated. You had to like go find the scroll and give it. You know, I, I don't even know. I can't go into it because I, I can't quote it accurately. But that's that. When I think about it, when I think about old games, I, I want to find that game and play that game for a while because it seems challenging. So speaking speaking of old games and making resurgence, um, there's a, a wonderful book out by Ernest Klein called Ready Player One. I don't know if if you've heard, I heard of this about book. this. What no? What is this book about? So is first off, change told? your life, Josh. Actually, uh, and sorry to step on your toes, CJ, because I just read the book after. How long of, of CJ just bugging me every day? I have been harassing him for over a year to read this book. Every day. Hey, you know, you know, where do you want to get lunch? Hey, by the way, did you read Ready Player One yet? Did you get it? Do you even have it yet? No? No? Stop talking to me. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's right up the nerd alley, and, and it spans generations from people your age, Josh, all the way to, to people our age. Um, I, I think it's on the, the oh, that, nerd that must read seven list. Years. It's that whole yeah. seven oh, yeah. year journey Listen, a lot from, happened in that seven years, years. Yeah, seriously especially <laughs> pterodactyls technology. left the planet uh i didn't I'll have say to this. worry in that <laughs> in that seven years it what really happened was stuff like pokemon i don't identify i don't understand it so you don't That's understand the, the need to catch them all i don't i really don't even know what it is i have no idea people talk about it and i just i literally shut off i can i go like i glaze over I hear birds. It's what what par- what happens with Perry Cox when the women start talking. That's what Shoe happens when shopping. when you guys start talking about Pokemon. I go into a happy place and I, I hear nothing. So Ernest Klein's book, Ready Player One. Uh, this, I could go on for hours about this, and I don't want to spoil it, and I don't want to give you a whole synopsis. I just want to kind of give you a brief overview, and I have a review of it that will be on our website. Uh, so go ahead and read the review, and then go get the book. And if you're not a person who has time to always read, but you're in the car, the audiobook is narrated by Will Wheaton. Uh, Will so Wheaton. Oh, that's if you, cool. If you have not already just said, holy crap, pause the podcast and go to Amazon to buy the book or go to Audible or whomever and go get the audiobook, uh, take two seconds to go do that. But it comes down to this. It's it's a book that is reminiscent of, of 80s video game and 80s culture. And it's set in a, in a dystopian world where the way that you get education, the way that you go to work, and the way that you live your existence is through a virtual reality simulation called the Oasis. And if you want to imagine the Oasis, I tell people it's a little bit like the, the Matrix meets the room from Gamer. Remember Gerard Butler's movie with Michael C. Hall? Yeah, um, I don't care what uh, anyone says. I really enjoy that movie, by the way. It's those two things kind of together. And... It's it's like Second Life on steroids. And what's so great about this book is that video games are kind of hard to describe in, in written forms as to how you play it and how to build suspense in something that is so hands-on, it's so tactical. 
And Ernest Klein does an amazing job of explaining video games to people in 80s culture, and you start to become a nerd about that part to it. But what's really cool is that the whole premise is that um, the the creator of the Oasis, who is like a combination of Steve Jobs and um, Howard Howard Hughes, yeah, I would say yeah, Howard Hughes, kind of eccentric like Howard Hughes, but very techie and geniusy like Steve Jobs. <laughs> He, when he passes away, he says, listen, I've hidden three keys in this large, vast simulation the size of the Matrix. Whoever finds it gets my fortune. And what's so cool about that is not only is it like, yay, treasure hunt, but the book itself actually has an Easter egg hidden inside of it. And at the time of publication, when it was new, the author said the first person to find my three Easter eggs within the book will win a DeLorean. And he totally gave it away. He, he It was an amazing little contest that he had within the book. So if you buy the actual print copy, you actually play games based off of the book itself. But this game is going to change your life. And the reason I'm talking about it is because Steven Spielberg is now attached to the project. Hopefully. And uh, again, hopefully. Um, and this was one of those things that everyone was worried about. How do you secure rights to so many video games? And they talk about 80s cultures and war games and all these Spielberg movies. And like, there's no way that someone's just going to get the rights to all of this. And if, Sp- if Spielberg's attached, half the work to make this movie a reality is now done. And I, seriously, Brian, can you just come from from the perspective of someone who's finally just boiled down it and read it? What did it kind of do for you as a nerd? Like, what what did it give you? What did it give you? Oh, uh, so yeah, I, I don't read a whole lot, believe it or not. Unless um, there's a picture of Spider Man or Batman involved, I don't read a lot of novels, and, and that was always my my thing. You know, I would pick up books here and there, I'd start reading them, or I maybe I might get through them, and they're like, eh, it doesn't really do anything for me. Um, and, and that's why I was very, you know, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll read it eventually, whatever. Um, so I finally broke down and read it, and, and I bought the book just to shut you up for, for a while, and, and I started reading it, and I just couldn't put it down. It, it was, it, it encaptured everything that I love so much in a, a novelization form. Um, especially in like the video game world, like that that we're, we're talking about, kind of always going back and, and feeling nostalgic as nerds for, for some of those older things. Uh, it's heavily rooted in '80s games, you know, the the Space Invaders age, um, and, and movies, and the Breakfast Club, and war games, and it's just it brings it into this like completely different light that like you you can identify. You identify with some character in that world. If you don't identify with the main character, you identify with his, his friend H or, you know, the, the girl that he, he's constantly trying to go after throughout the, the this adventure. And it really kind of brought me back to, you know, when I was a kid watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. It, it was... It was the grown-up, nerdy version of Willy Wonka for me. And, and it had that same wonder. It's just like... Um, that Gene Wilder kind of gave you when you were watching that movie, like, oh my gosh, I wish I could be in a chocolate factory like right now. Same feeling, like, I want an Oasis, like now. And I don't know when it happens, but I want one. Um, so it, it was, it just kind of tapped that portion of my brain that just kind of reminded me, yeah, this is why I identify myself as a nerd. This is why I love this kind of culture so much. 
Um, and I don't want to give too much away about it, but uh, Josh, you need to read it. <laughs> and, uh, I'm and, gonna I, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the audiobook. And Josh, for for you, since you haven't read this book, you come across so many different people in, in your job and in your life. How do you kind of know after you, you shake somebody's hand, you say hi, how are you? And what can they say or what do they say that after they say, like, yes, you are well, on the same page as me? So there, the, the thing that I do is, you know, I'm in front of a different crowd or group of people probably four times a day uh, on a cycle of every six weeks. So... I meet new people every day of my career. It's 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 amazing. Um, and what I like to do, whether it's in a group setting or one on one, is use analogies or you know drop drop subtle hints or say things. Um, and you know, you know, somebody will say to me, "Well, you know, I, what's what's the magic bullet, Josh? What do I have to do to make this happen every time?" And I don't want to get into you know, what I do for a living per se, but what do I have to do to get this to happen every time? And I always say, you know, there's really no um, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, <laughs> a, 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 B, B, select, start, whatever, you know, and I go through that. <laughs> and sometimes you see their face light up and sometimes you don't. And when I see their face light up, I'm like, okay, this dude's going to be okay or this chick's going to be okay, whatever. Um, and when they don't, I'm going to be like, okay, so sports analogies for this guy. Fair enough. So it's... It's it's for me. It's about and you know bringing some of that you know '80s gamer culture um, for the age groups that I deal with usually works out. And if it doesn't, the sports analogies do. And if that doesn't, then I can always drop a a movie line or two just to and and CJ to to your point. It's it's for me. It's about relating, right? So I I will use a movie quote. I will use an obscure quote. I will use a Monty Python quote. I will use a Pink Floyd lyric. I will use a video game reference. And I have different sort of ways to go to gauge where they're at. And if one doesn't work, I always can sub in with another. This this seems very interesting in, in a way that it could um, sort of unite or at least at least sort of bridge the, the generation gap a bit because you see that people – have a, a sense or a need that they they need to come together um there's this this what do you know or the this thing where kids born in the late 90s are are doing this do you know this 90s song if you guys have seen this video yet I, yeah i've seen that um, it's crazy and it is crazy uh because i'm sitting there watching it going this is this is making me physically ill but there's <laughs> there's one kid um who's you know he's maybe 19 17 to 19 years old and he knew, you know, he knew the Tool song, and he knew he knew several of the songs. And I thought, I like this kid. I identify with this kid. And the rest of you are stupid. <laughs> it, it reminds me of a, and this this is a criticism of of the book that came out from other people as well as that. Um, you're pulling into to 80s nostalgia and you're – again, we're going back to kind of the topic. We find ourselves going back instead of trying to move the medium forward, You know that this culture becomes obsessed with the 80s and then doesn't have its own identity because they're not talking about the Oasis. Everything is about the 80s 
And it kind of reminded me of a, a little joke that Chris Hardwick had made is that it's there's another type of category, right? Because we're talking about there's all kinds of nerds and what kind of nerd are you, that there's the hipster nerd. There's the nerd that wears, you know, the make it so shirt who has no idea what that means. And you want to walk <laughs> up to those nerds and be like, I was in trash cans and got bullied and pushed so you could wear this shirt and you should know what it means and how dare you. And it, it, it just happens to bring up those feelings where it's just like we're starting to go backwards. People are now watching again and bringing back into uh, pop culture uh, Star Trek Next Generation, original Star Trek. I mean it's on the Big Bang Theory all the time too. But now people are starting to, to talk about this kind of uh, – all these kind of things again. Are we moving forward enough as nerds or are we now finding that the people that are in charge of the nerd world, the people who are making the video games, people who are making movies um, that grew up in, in those eras, are they controlling it and we're not moving forward enough? You know what? I, I, I ran into – I was in um, I was in a restaurant-type establishment in uh, – I think it was in Virginia. And I, I ran into this dude who – Really, on any other day, would have been just some collar popper, right? And uh, he had on a shirt. It was an all it was an all black t shirt with white block letters that said uh, "Tis but a scratch." And I was like, I was like, sick shirt, dude. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll call it a draw. And he was like, what? And I, I said, no, 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 we'll we'll call it a draw. What? And I'm like, you know what? Get out. Just get away from me. <laughs> And I mean, I just I was I was offended to your point, CJ, that this dude is wearing this shirt and he has no idea what it means. Why? And and this is the interesting aspect of and and this is something I actually like about being quote unquote a nerd. If I wear a sports jersey, I know jack shit about sports. I and if I sit in a bar or public place, all people are gonna do is talk to me about sports. And I'm gonna be like, um, listen, I I don't really I don't really care. Uh, this is just something I had and I, and I threw it on. And then people I'm wearing wild. it. Sar- I'm wearing this sarcastically. Well, no, it's not. Weird. It's not just sarcastically. It's like I just literally didn't give a shit that it was a sports jersey. I just wore it. And <laughs> and instead of instead of like, let me tell you why the the sports team that you're wearing is the best sports team. It's well, fuck you for not knowing anything, dude. It's like well, because thrown on a sports jersey like that. You might as well throw on war paint. I mean, you just right, don't don't come don't come up into my into my stratosphere with 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 basically your gang colors and when I when I try to identify with you, you're like, "What do you mean?" Then you I want to you know what I want to do? I want a hockey style like grab you grab it by the back, jack it over your head and start beating you with with fists and whatever objects i can find because you don't know what you're wearing it just bothers me but then the other side of this is that in in most cases in my personal experience nerds don't always go to uh anger 11 now youtube comments and trolls will say otherwise but nerds in general don't so brian you've been to comic-con before and if you want to talk about a cacophony of people in different styles, and by the way, I hate you so much because that's my life goal, <laughs> uh, I'm sure you've encountered people, especially when movies come out, like Spider-Man movies and things like that, who don't necessarily know these characters very well and maybe just like the leading man and they're wearing the shirt. 
And I know you don't go right to, fuck you, you don't know anything about Spider-Man. But nerds like to take the time to to have a dialogue and educate people about this. And I think yeah. that nerds are so welcoming into that. I mean, have you encountered that? Um, I have. And I, I have, I'm guilty of feeling that way. That um, So not only have I been to San Diego Comic-Con, because you have to identify it's the biggest Comic-Con. I've been to many Comic-Cons. Uh, but going to San Diego was amazing, and uh, I will definitely do it again. So whenever you want to, CJ, you let me know. But um, I worked at a comic book store, um, it, it, our local comic book store, for a while, uh, seven seven years. Um, and you get those people who you know come in and they don't know what they're looking at, and, and they don't they don't even know why they're there. Um, and <laughs> they're just kind of you, looking. Uh, do you go? And, and, do you go all? Do you go all Jack Black from High Fidelity on him? I, I try not to because sometimes I, I do. But he, here's when I would when I would work there. Do you even know? Do you even know your daughter? Oh, is your daughter dead? Do you do that? Like you <laughs> no. do that to people. <laughs> um, so the, the thing that would always strike a nerve for me would be those people who just come in and look around and they go, hey, what's the most expensive comic book you have? And I'm like, oh. why do you care? You never are going to buy it. Um, but you know, I'll answer their question. I'll be like, "Oh yeah, you know, we- it's Submariner number one, <laughs> right?" But the, um, the the first inkling isn't to not just go nerd rage and kick him out of your shop. It's to educate them. And, and I, well, I, I'm no, 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 CJ. Let's be clear. The first instinct is to go nerd rage and kick them out of your shop. You have to subdue that. <laughs> yeah, you 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 quell that down. Whether you're in the shop or when you're on the street, because I run this in, into this on the street too, or in our retail jobs that we've all been a part of, where you know I'll see someone with a Superman hat or a Spider-Man hat, be like, hey, you know, nice hat, and they're like, oh, yeah, I just like the colors. Like you couldn't find another red and blue hat. Uh, you had to pick the one that, that kind of speaks to me. That's fine. You know, just go away. Um, but you you quell that initial feeling, and, and I think it's because. You're right. I, I've spent time in the lockers, you know, or in alone on the playground, getting made fun of when I'm when I'm holding my X Men comic book or my Spider Man comic book. And now that it's becoming that these people who used to be the ones ridiculing me are kind of interested in it, I'm like, oh my god, welcome to my web. Come here. Let me teach you everything that I know about this stuff. Um, I've, I've, I have a very particular set of skills. Uh, skills I've acquired <laughs> over a long career of comic book collecting. Um, so, it, like after I we now that only rage, a and money. I don't. We don't have the money for that. I, I, <laughs> but after I quell that rage, I'm just like, yeah. Let me let me teach you. Let me show you how cool this is and how you know really fun it can be. And you you should you should be really into this too. Um, so I think we are growing a, as a nerd culture. If that's really the question you want to pose, um, I, I think. The, and these movies have done, you know, the, the, been the springboard to it's cool to be a nerd type thing. Um, not that I'm like, oh, I'm finally part of the cool crowd. But suddenly the cool crowd's coming to me and be like, who, who is this guy? Like, what, what's this Quicksilver guy's deal? And I'm just like, do you have about 34 hours? Because I can tell you his entire deal. Um, so it, it's, it's really exciting, I, I think. Did- do we think that maybe just in our personal experiences, are we just the exception to the rule or do are, are, are we becoming the social norm? Nerds who are more open and are more willing to share. I think I, I think I, I, go ahead. Josh. You're, no, you're absolutely right. And I think that the, the reason for that is that it it became cool for a while to 
you know, you know, Foursquare check in, Twitter check in, Facebook check in, and and what ends up happening is people start checking in on social media at social events and bars and and clubs and whatever. And look, checking in isn't like that's not popular culture, right? That's nerd culture. That's that that social media sort of linked that, and I think that what ends up happening more often than not is. You know, you'll be in a conversation at a public place and someone will overhear it and want to take part in that conversation, which, by the way, uh, social media has also made that okay, right? People just sort of jumping into conversations and, 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 and the, the group the group circle widening and, and, and inviting more people in um, to where I believe that for for lack of a better term at this point, I'm, I'm not going to say nerd because at the beginning of the podcast, I said um, anyone who is a subject matter expert and wants to share that knowledge, I would consider that a, a level of, of nerdiness, right? Because you're so you're so engrossed in what it is to be a subject matter expert that you – I think in most cases, unless you're completely socially inept, you want to share that with people um, – and and getting into whether it's debate, which I also love, or or just um, a sharing of ideas, which is cool. Um, it's happening more and more in public, and and you know, if if you saw me in public and Brian and CJ with me, you'd probably be like, you know, this dude doesn't seem like he'd hang out with these guys on a regular basis, right? Um, and it's not it's not a you know certainly not an indictment. It's just I I have a, a sort of different look to me right when i'm when i'm out in public i've got the the fitted hat backwards and i've i sort of uh go ahead you could say it cj for for the audience i want you to imagine turtle from entourage and just uh, and just put a bigger beard on him right so you've got you've got a bit of that and and i i think that um there is a breaking down of the walls and not not so that people are like you know shocked that the nerd culture is out there but that it's becoming less and less and less. And I cite um, the Big Bang Theory in that mm-hmm. these people don't live any differently than anybody else. They're, the conversations may be different, but they have the same needs, wants, desires, and and, and the same sort of uh, social scale, so to speak, that even within that separate world. And, and we can all admit that the Big Bang is hyperbole, but within that world, there are absolutely different social classes to where – you know, Howard being an engineer is sort of, you know, on the lower rung of that as far as Sheldon's concerned. And, and that, that that's unifying these other social circles in real life. I think it's very cool. And I, I don't think that it has to be something that anybody tries to do. I think that if people are open to conversation, um, sharing of ideas and at some level a debate, that it just comes organically, and it's it's just very cool to see in public. I see it all the time. And the parallels to that is that um, my wife is a huge Steelers fan. She loves football, and she knows football inside and out, and she knows that franchise better than anybody that I know. And when I, you know, we're dating, I'm like, well, okay, common interest. I got to find something. Sports is not it. Uh, you know, we, we bond over scrubs, but there's got to be something going there. I, I need to learn one. And I went to go learn football on the ins and outs. And this is such a typical nerd crap where I'm having such a difficult time figuring it all out and f- finding out how things work and what the fuck is excessive celebration. 
uh, and just learning penalties <laughs> and all these other jargons and drafts and da 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 da. And I always make the joke that uh, what is fantasy football if not Dungeons and Dragons for jocks? And when I was trying to get into that community, it was you don't know what you're talking about. Shut the fuck up and go sit in the corner, and and go figure it out yourself. And we're not going to help you. And then my wife was doing the same thing. She wanted to learn more about me, and she wanted to have something to bond over me with. And it came up for you know Doctor Who at one point. And my wife would watch me watch this show, and she's like, "This is stupid. Um, they're all way too British. I will never watch this show. Uh, go away." And then one day I was like, "Sit down, watch one episode, and see what happens." She watched the episode, and now she is as obsessed with it as I am. And it was so cool to see the instant, come see this, take a shot at it. It doesn't take a whole lot to get into it. You'll learn the rules pretty quickly. Go. And welcome to the to the community versus some of the sports world. It's like, you no, know, you've passed the threshold. You are too old to learn this from scratch. That's you're out. See, and I think, I think you're dead wrong first. Secondly, some of the biggest quote-unquote nerds that I know are – fantasy football junkies, fantasy baseball junkies, because there's there's so much... Well, there, that thing is so complex. There's I mean, so much statistical so much. acumen required to really be good at it, and I, I haven't... So for me... Um, and that's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy to it. It, it. it is, and it's most, but it's most of my year, right? It's fantasy football. It's, it literally, the season ended in, in February. Um, I reopened my league for 2015... Uh, a month ago, I literally beginning of March, my league was open. So for the listeners, when we get there, you can look, email me, ping me. I will spend as much time as we need talking through this with you personally, like I would for you, CJ, to help you out. Like I've tried with for with Brian and Brian <laughs> like gets into it and then like spends half a Sunday with you at the bar talking through it. And then he's just like, I can't. My fucking brain is going to explode. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. Why would you start this guy over this guy? Well, you have to look at the the past two weeks, and you have to look at this, and you have to look at that, and the matchups, and his dog. Right, died the, the, the the die had to roll a twenty, and then the die before it had to roll a it, twelve. No, and that, is, that's what I'm is, saying. And, and it is a bit like that, and that's that's okay. But it, to to say that you're too old, or that it's past you, or or it's it's past you by in some way. That's just, especially for somebody like you who has such capacity, I think it's ridiculous. But I'm just going, but uh, you do let me, need let to me be, be passionate. Fair. Let me be fair. I'm going generalities. I'm going very broad, wide stroke through it. And I know that there's very, and there are very eager people to welcome you to say you're rooting for the wrong team. Let me tell you why this one is the better one. Let me explain this to you. Come no, here, man, take a you're seat. Never rooting for the, you're never rooting for the wrong team. You root for the team that holds your heart. You find that team and you root for them. I'm a, I'm a Washington Redskins fan. I have had little to be happy about since I was 12 years old. <laughs> that's the same little. as me and Brian, but just for other reasons. I, am I okay, but that's I I hold out hope every year. I'm not I'm not uh, one of these you know diehards that this year's my year. I'm not resigned that this year isn't my year. I have perspective, and I go to every Sunday looking and and knowing that on any given Sunday the better team's going to win. And by the way, if you haven't seen the movie any given Sunday, you need to. Um, but that's – if you're passionate about it, make it important and go after it for real. So that kind of brings me to to the part of, of this in that 
this is what I'm talking about when I talk about that kind of nerd is that we have so many different things that we get excited about and, and, and drive us and really kind of can unite us because the three of us, while we have a lot of similarities, there are so many other big differences between us that just like Josh said earlier, if you saw the three of us hanging out, you'd be like, okay, this this doesn't make sense all the way. There's There's something not statistically right here. The integers are off. Uh, but that we can all stay united with with the common cause. So this brings us to, like I was telling you, the, the fourth voice, uh, and this is you. And and the the question I kind of posed towards the end, I think, is a, is a cool place to start off. But please don't let it be a, a limitation to you. And I kind of want to hear an experience or your stories or your thought about being welcomed into the nerd culture or to a part of it or something that you didn't expect to find. Um, so I have two phone numbers for you that you can call uh, to leave a message uh, and, and give us your thoughts. Um, just as a, a note of a fair use, if you do leave a message, just know that we may go ahead and record it. So your consent is given by by, living, by leaving these messages. So I have two numbers. So if you got a second, here we go. I have 484-373-4119. Again, that's That's the four, Northeast Reading number? That is a Northeast Reading number. 484 484- Three seven three four one one nine. You can also email us at podcast at thatkindofnerd.com. Uh, please make sure to visit the website, thatkindofnerd.com. We have articles about some of the stuff that we talked about. Brian with Comics 101. Uh, I'll have Ready Player One on there as well. Uh, please make sure you can read those articles and contribute. And we do want to hear from you. Um, so, uh, Brian, I want to thank you for, for your input and thank you for your time and your expertise with, with Deadpool and everything. And Brian, thank, uh, Josh, thank you for helping us, like I said, branch that conversation to areas that we normally, uh, wouldn't cover. Uh, does anybody have anything else they want to add before we, uh, get, get, get done with this? No, I, uh, I just want to say how, how excited I am to kind of get this up and running and, uh, kind of start this podcast and, and you know, kind of bring this culture, uh, into you know the light some more and uh i'm looking really looking forward to seeing where this is going um i remember i remember the day you came up with the name for the site and you ran up to me and you're just like i just had the best conversation with the customer i thought of a name for the site and uh it, it, it that was what almost a year and a half ago and and so here we are um and hopefully this is going to uh you know kind of expand uh from you know what kind of nerd are, are you to all kinds of nerds, you know, the, the sports nerds and the jock nerds and, you know, the comic book nerds and uh, the car nerds and all that other stuff. It, it, I'm really looking forward to this. So thank you, CJ, for including me. And uh, Josh, thank you so much for being that uh, de- voice of derailment and, uh, you know, bringing a, a different take on the word nerd in, in, into with us uh, here. And for me, it's, uh, you know, I love being the disruptor. So thank you. And, and, and uh, to the listeners, we absolutely want to hear um, not just your your ideas on on the topics that we suggest, or but pose your own questions or or leave your own comments. If if uh, if I need to shut my mouth, you need to tell me. Um, you know, if I'm if we're saying something that you love, we want to hear that. If we're not saying enough of what you love, we want to hear that too. So you know, reach out, let us know, and uh, please contribute. Give us feedback because it it makes us better. Thanks again, and, CJ. Uh, 
Thank you. And we just went over an hour. And uh, just for the listeners, just for formality's sake, we'll probably be doing about hour breakdowns. Uh, so put us in your car and make us your, your drive to and from work and make it home. Um, thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, this is the That Kind of Nerd Podcast. Thank you for listening.